here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, I'll tell you, there's no shortage of news out there. California's burning again. And, of course, for the media, it's about politics. The president talked about uh, forest management and maybe the need to cut billions. He was attacked. The governor, Jerry Brown, blamed uh, climate change and the failure of uh, Republicans, among others, to recognize it. He was not attacked. Now, I know what the president's talking about. The timing's off, but I know what he's talking about. These left-wing groups uh, have succeeded in many respects of preventing state and federal governments and local governments, too, from uh, cleaning out the deadwood out of these forests. You can go Google this. I mean, uh, there's been litigation on this. Uh, The left fights very, very hard and says uh, fires are necessary. It's just a natural part of... uh, of growth, it's a natural part of death and life, and uh, they've had the upper hand. That's one of the reasons these fires have been worse than they have been in the past. And that's worth a debate later, not now. Right now it's all hands on deck, and that's exactly what's taking place. It has nothing to do with climate change. The climate didn't create that fire. But I guess everything has something to do with climate change, doesn't it? It's Veterans Day. Of course, we want to salute all the vets out there, as we do every day on this program, because every day is Veterans Day as far as we're concerned. Every day is Respect the Military Day, and the police and firefighters and emergency personnel. But we do want to thank our veterans today and salute them. Uh, All kinds of things going on in Florida, Arizona. Looks like it's over. The uh, Democrat will win, and she is crazy as the ant in the attic. She's an absolute left-wing kook, but it's harder and harder to tell her apart from other left-wing kooks that are getting elected now. Um, And uh, they did play tricks. These emergency voting centers, you heard about them? In Florida, you have these ballots people cast, And they cast these ballots because, you know, they can't tell right there if somebody is who they say they are, if they don't have the appropriate uh, identification with them. They call them provisional ballots. And more and more with the Democrats doing these Democrat counties, and they quickly mix them with the other ballots, and you can't tell them apart one from the other. And uh, in Georgia, they're trying to steal that governor's race there, too. It looks like war is breaking out now with Hamas shooting 100 missiles into Israeli cities and towns. We're going to get into that. Can't wait, can't wait for the news coverage from Jake uh, Fake Tapper and the rest. We have uh, individuals who've been elected to Congress, uh, two women who are said to be the two first Muslim women elected to Congress. One of them has come out again today and said she's a big supporter of the BDS movement. This is an anti-Semitic movement against the Jews in Israel. 
And there's not a word of coverage on CNN, not a word of coverage on MSNBC, not a word of coverage on any major news network or cable station. Not a word. Nothing. While they throw the word racist around and Hitler around and Nazis around, somehow they miss these these wonderful ladies. And we'll get into that, too. But the first thing I want to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, is the nature of the media and the Democrats. And we have to go back to this. I've got page after page of clip after clip of what took place over the last two days on television. The things that the Democrats say, the things that the media say, the things that the media guests and contributors say, they are so outrageous. So outrageous. And you know me, I try to get to the bottom of these things. What is going on here? And, I'm, and what is going on here? Is that in the 1960s and 70s and the early 80s, the media decided that it wasn't enough to report the news. This has been documented. And they let you interpret it. That they were going to report quote-unquote, the news, and interpret it. And not only were they going to interpret it, they were going to interpret it from a liberal perspective. And so that's what you see. The media is part of this entire progressive movement that has devoured really all of our institutions. Many of you, your synagogues and churches, our entertainment, even late at night, you see it, academia is now all, all for one and one for all, and the media, and the media, this is why you're frustrated, but editors and publishers, and they spoke about it, and they wrote about it openly, in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, decided that they were going to advance what they call liberal values, but what it is is left-wing bias, and they're doing it, and they're doing a lot of it. Now, I've heard uh, interpretations of this election that it's, uh, we've lost the suburbs because of Trump. We've lost the suburbs because of Trump. That's not why we lost the suburbs. We've lost the suburbs because of single white women. That's not why we lost the suburbs. We lost the suburbs because of married white women. These are all the argument. Uh, that's not why we lost the suburbs. What's happening are the metropolitan areas are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You have public transportation moving further and further out into these uh, suburbs and, and uh, out, outer suburb, suburban areas. But the real reason is immigration. Now, I must say, I'm so busy with Levin TV and Fox and writing my next book, I don't have the chance to listen to talk radio anymore. I really don't unless it's about a half hour before I go on the air. So I don't know what everybody else is, is doing. But I had a lot of back and forth with a couple of my talk radio buddies, and may, maybe they raised this. I don't know. But in that back and forth, we discussed, and I raised as well. I live in a state, Virginia. Virginia, that 10 years ago was a solid red state. It's now a blue state. In 10 years. 
Colorado 10 years ago was a solid red state. It's a blue state. Arizona was a solid red state. It's now a purple state. And by the way, the reason we lost Arizona was not only because of these emergency voting centers that they set up before the election, which is a real farce, but because Martha McSally failed to build bridges to conservatives after a vicious primary fight. So Arizona's a little different. But still, immigration has hugely affected that state. Florida is very, very close. Why? Immigration. California, which Ronald Reagan not only won twice in a landslide, but George H.W. Bush won in a landslide. Did you know that? California's gone. It's a dark blue one-party state. And they knocked out three or four more Republicans along the way. Because of changing demographics, because of immigration, not because of Trump. Not because of women in the suburbs or anything of the kind. And it's interesting that almost none of the media analysis, quote unquote, in the big media mentions immigration. And yet that's what's doing it. And people have written about this over the years. They've talked about what's coming and it's come. And here it is. Many of you are old enough to remember. Some of you are not. Reagan won his first race in a landslide. He won his second race in a landslide. George H.W. Bush won very comfortably in the next race against Dukakis. The talk back then was, how will the Democrats ever win the presidency? How will they ever win the president? They can't win the popular vote, and they can't win the Electoral College. The Republicans, as long as they keep winning California, Texas, and Florida, as well as Colorado and the South, there's simply no way that the Democrats can win. So what did they do? They changed a number of the states, and they're changing a number of the states. That is why they will fight to the bitter end to secure against securing the southern border. Wall, fence, moat, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They will fight to the bitter end. That is why there are at least 500 sanctuary cities in this country. 500, which are illegal. This nullification of federal law. That is why, when Obama was president, they stuffed the courts, they packed the courts with the most radical Democrats they possibly could. At the district court and circuit levels, in particular, because they knew that's where most of these cases would be heard. And that's where most of the cases involving immigration are heard. And so this is the problem. And way back when during so-called comprehensive immigration reform, when George Bush was pushing it. I believe it was 2006, 2007. I spoke at great length on this program, great length on this program, that the clock was ticking. This isn't about brown people, yellow people, white people, red people, albino people, whatever. This is about reality, and you're seeing it. Because without assimilation... And this really is the first period in American history, I'd say the last 30 to 40 years, 
that we've had immigration without assimilation. And without assimilation, people coming to this country have no connection to this country. People coming to this country have no connection to the American culture. That is why you keep hearing Democrats and the media, and they're one and the same, keep accusing anybody who talks about securing the border or ensuring that our voting lists are correct or anything like that as being racist. Racist. Because balkanization, tribalization, diversity of cultures is exactly what they want. That's the name of the Democrat Party. It cobbles together these coalitions. It doesn't want assimilation. It needs us at each other's throats. That's the problem our country faces. Not Donald Trump. Not Donald Trump's tweets. And the truth is, if Jeb Bush were president, or one of these other guys was president, we'd be in a worse position today. Worse. Than we are right now. It is very superficial. It's very easy to just keep dumping on, well, if Trump did this and Trump did this, the suburbs this and the inner suburbs and the other. It's not correct. It's knee-jerk. The population is changing. And that is why you keep hearing the race baiting. That is why you keep hearing a white privilege and white supremacy from the left. That is why you keep hearing the most outrageous things from the left to try and prevent the discussion that I'm having now with you for the last 20 minutes. They don't want it. That is why the media doesn't talk about it. But it's happening. Right in front of your face. I'll be right back. Mark in. in this business and it was an article about how in Texas we have a big problem Governor Abbott is a great governor he only got 55% of the vote folks Ted Cruz got a little over 51% of the vote Cruz had 80 million dollars spent against him so even today I heard on our favorite cable channel he was a terrible candidate Cruz no he wasn't 80 million dollars is a lot of money I think he raised about $25 million, which should have been plenty. There are 14 appellate courts in Texas. The vast majority have had, had majority Republicans on them. Now, seven have Democrats and seven have Republicans. The metropolitan areas in Texas, in the cities and the immediate suburbs are all Democrat. Fort Worth was the last holdout. And Fort Worth went Democrat slightly this last election. This has nothing to do with suburban white women. Immigration. Immigration. The fact that the Democrats own California has nothing to do with suburban white women. They've been owning it now for years and it's getting worse. Immigration. And you also have migration. 
within the United States. So you have immigration and you also have migration. This is an important second part of it. You have individuals in population centers like New York City or Philadelphia or Baltimore and so forth, many of whom are Democrats. And then they move, or Washington, D.C., you know, Chicago, then they move into the immediate suburbs. And they continue their voting patterns, even though they're escaping these particular areas, presumably for a better life or a different life. But they bring their same voting habits. Hardcore Democrats in New York moving to Florida. Hardcore Democrats in Washington, D.C. moving to Virginia. Or hardcore Democrats in Maryland moving to Virginia. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. Hardcore Democrats in Chicago moving to the suburbs in the immediate area around Chicago. So you have these two forces. You have immigration, and then you have migration within the United States. And that's what's happening to these red states. It can't go on much longer until it's the Republicans who have no way to victory on a presidential election. And I'm quite serious about that. I'm not trying to upset you. I'm just telling you, we had control of the House and the Senate. And because many of the people who lost in the House, many of the rhinos this last election, wouldn't step up on immigration, we never got our wall. I'll be back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. most powerful conservative voice the mark levin show dial in now 877-381-3811 it's this saggy jawline ladies and gentlemen it's this jawline and the double chin that give your age away but not anymore introducing the brand new genesis chin and neck treatment with dual peptide and mdl technology chamonix's most advanced technology ever it not only tightens saggy jawlines, but it plumps the lipophilic layers of your skin to contour and define the jawline within minutes. Using peptides and metalactones together for the first time, it works amazingly quickly, and the results get better every day. Nothing else works like the new Genesel chin and neck treatment to sculpt the chin and smooth out that annoying turkey neck. And there's the best news. Here it is. It's yours free when you order Genesel for under-eye bags and puffiness. And for results in 12 hours, Genesel's immediate effects is also free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com right now. Imagine that double chin disappearing in about a week with Genesel's chin and neck treatment. 
Now, stop imagining. Call or click right now. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. This was all predictable. The Bush administration, Karl Rove, the Republican House that was, just wouldn't do anything about it. You know, I wrote Liberty and Tyranny in 2008. That's 10 years ago. And I talked about how the 14th Amendment does not provide birthright citizenship and so forth. And I laid out all these issues and I concluded the combination of intended and unintended consequences and legal and illegal immigration is transforming American society. Ten years ago, using the U.S. Census Bureau's data collected in March 2007, the Center for Immigration Studies reported the nation's immigration population, legal and illegal, reached a record 37.9 million in 2007. It's much worse today. Immigrants account for one in eight U.S. residents. It's higher now. But that was the highest level in 80 years. In 1970, it was one in 21. In 1980, it was one in 16. In 1990, it was one in 13. And today, it's, they, I wrote this, it's one in eight. And today, I bet it's one in six. Overall, nearly one in three immigrants is an illegal alien. Half of Mexican and Central American immigrants and one-third of South American immigrants are illegal in the United States. Of adult immigrants, 31%, this is 10-year-old, 11-year-old statistics, 31% of not completed high school compared to 8% of Native Americans. Since 2000, immigration increased the number of workers without a high school diploma by 14% and all other workers by 3%. The proportion of immigrant-headed households using at least one major welfare program is 33%. It's higher now, compared to just 19% of Native American households. The poverty rate for immigrants and their U.S.-born children under 18 is 17%, nearly 50% higher than the rate for Native Americans and their children. Immigration accounts for virtually all of the national increase in public school enrollment over the last 20 years. In 2007, there were 10.8 million school-aged children from immigrant families in the United States. Now it's far more. The Pew Hispanic Center, again, this is 2004, estimates that 9% of the population of Mexico was living in the United States in 2004. 57% of all illegal immigrants are Mexican. Another 24% are from other Latin American countries. 55% of all Mexicans in the United States are here illegally. By 2050, Hispanics will be between 29% and 32% of the nation's population. Washington Post columnist Robert J. Samuelson, again, this is from Liberty and Tyranny 10 years ago. Analyzed the Census Bureau's annual statistical report on poverty and housing and household income from 2006 and found, among other things, that there were 36.5 million people in poverty. I'm quoting him. That's the figure that translates into 12.3% poverty rate. In 1990, the population was smaller and there were 33.6 million people in poverty, a rate of 13.5%. The increase from 1990 to 2009 was 2.9 million people. That is, 
Hispanics, he writes, accounted for the entire gain of the increase in poverty in the United States. He's talking about uh, immigration. Now, if you were to go through these statistics that Robert Samuelson, a columnist for the Washington Post, went through back then today on any of these cable channels, that is CNN, MSNBC, you would be accused of being a white supremacist or a racist. Samuelson explained that from 1990 to 2006, the number of poor Hispanics increased 3.2 million from 6 million to 9.2 million. Meanwhile, the number of non-Hispanic whites in poverty fell from 16.6 million in 1990 to 16 million in 2006. Among blacks, there was a decline from 9.8 million in 1990 to 9 million in 2006. White and black poverty have risen somewhat since 2000, but it is down over the longer periods. He said only an act of willful denial can separate immigration and poverty. It's incredible. This is all in the book. It goes on much further. Rather than Americanize aliens and use public and private institutions to inculcate them with the virtues of American culture, language, mores, history, traditions, and customs, the status is cultivating a cultural relativism in which the cultures from which the aliens fled are given equal accord with the American culture. You saw them do that a couple months ago with Trump. But all cultures are not equal as evidenced in part by the alien fleeing his own country for the American culture and the American citizens staying put. It is normal and healthy for ethnic groups to celebrate their diverse heritage, Columbus Day, St. Patrick's Day, etc., and they have since the nation's founding. Most large cities have a Chinatown, a Little Italy, a German town. In many of these ethnic neighborhoods, the old language is still spoken, especially among the older generations. But neither the heritage nor home language of the individual has ever competed with the American culture for dominance. The history of immigration in the United States up to now has been the history of assimilation. George Washington in his farewell address, 1796. Am I boring everybody? You want me just to attack Trump and, uh, and white women? Quote, citizens, either by birth or choice, of a common country, That country has the right to concentrate your affections. The name of American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. Assimilation. Assimilation. For more than two centuries... Individuals with diverse backgrounds have come together to form a national melting pot and a harmonious society sustained by allegiance to the country and its founding principles. But today's open-ended mass migration, coupled with the destructive influences of biculturalism, multiculturalism, bilingualism, multilingualism, dual citizenship, (coughs) excuse me, and affirmative action, have combined to form the building blocks of a different kind of society where aliens are taught to hold tightly to their former cultures and languages. Balkanization grows, antagonism and conflict are aroused, and victimhood is claimed as, at perceived slights. If a nation does not show and teach respect for its own identity, principles, and institutions, 
That corrosive attitude is conveyed to the rest of the world, including newly arriving aliens. And if this is unchecked, the nation will ultimately cease to exist. Dr. Samuel Huntington, the late Dr. Samuel Huntington, served as chairman of Harvard's government department and its Academy for International Area Studies. He wrote, The persistent inflow of Hispanic immigrants threatens to divide United States into two peoples, two cultures, and two languages. The United States ignores this challenge at its peril. It's because of the lack of assimilation, not because these folks are Hispanic, by the way. He argued that Mexican immigration differs from past immigration and most other contemporary immigration due to a combination of six factors. Scale, illegality, regional concentration in the Southwest, contiguity, persistence, and historical presence. The consequences, he believed, are stark. Demographically, socially, and culturally, this is him. The reconquista, that is the reconquest of the Southwest United States by Mexican immigrants is well underway. Can you imagine a man from Harvard writing this today? He wrote this in 2006. Can you imagine? He'd be, well, they'd be beating on his door and writing things on his driveway. Besides, how can an alien participate fully in American society if he does not share the language that binds citizen to citizen? How can he acquire better skills, pursue higher learning, or interact effectively in the marketplace if he doesn't speak English? How can he assess the benefit of entering into contracts or other legal arrangements if he cannot understand the terms and conditions to which he commits himself? And most important, how can the alien comprehend the nation's founding principles and pledge allegiance to them if he cannot be sure of their intended consequences and meaning? And yet, we have the Democrat Party and these various ethnic front groups, don't we? Yes, we do. And they do, they don't, they do not want unity, these, uh, these political forces, because unity undermines their power. And apparently unity undermines CNN and MSNBC. And so they engage in practice on these networks that are intended to proscribe debate. As I wrote 10 years ago, those who dissent from his immigration policies, that is of the statists, are often characterized as exclusionists, nativists, xenophobes, or even racists. The neo-status offers no alternative to the status quo and condemns the conservative for not going along. He not only accommodates balkanization, this is most of your Republican friends, but panders to it. But the good citizen contributes to the social cohesion of the civil society for his own benefit and the benefit of that society. And he expects his government to do the same. The conservative believes that to the extent immigration can be applied to that purpose, it's desirable. When it does not, it is destructive of those ends. And unless we address this, and it looks like it's not possible given who controls the House now, and apparently wasn't possible when the Republicans controlled the House because about 40 or 50 of them had absolutely no interest in securing the border. Many of them lost their races this time around. It's going to become increasingly difficult to win the presidency. Now, the never-Trumpers and the 
the more, uh, what should I say, and the never-Trumpers who claim now not to be never-Trumpers, they'll never admit this. It's got to be Trump. He's turning people off. It's got to be Trump. He's turning people off. Has it ever occurred to them that he may actually be speaking the truth many times? Like on this issue? Whereas other Republicans don't have the guts to do so? So this has had the biggest influence on the midterm elections. This has had the biggest influence on the nature of this society. And it's going to continue. And you can hear it. The language that's being used by politicians, by people in the media, the violence that you see rising up, the nation is divided, very badly divided. And it's only going to get worse. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The good, the true, the beautiful. How can one begin to understand these high and noble ideals? It starts with the right kind of education, and that's tough to find these days. But I know one college that provides a comprehensive education of the very best kind, an education in the philosophical, political, theological, scientific, and literary heritage of the West, and that's Hillsdale College. Every student, regardless of the major, spends half their time on the same liberal arts core curriculum, studying science, theology, history, mathematics, philosophy, literature, and the Constitution. At Hillsdale, all students learn about our great Western and American heritage. The result? Hillsdale alumni are leaders with intelligence and character, making a difference in their families, communities, and country. But it all starts with a core curriculum that develops moral and intellectual virtue, the core that helps them understand the good, the true, and the beautiful. This is the Hillsdale core curriculum. This is learning for the long run. Discover what education is meant to be, folks. Just check them out at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Nationalism. I've discussed this probably more than anybody. I've written about it more than anybody. The alternative to me is Americanism. And the reason, in part, is because of the confusion about what nationalism means. The founders of this country and the framers of the Constitution were very concerned about and skeptical of nationalism. They created a national government, but they insisted on federalism, limiting the power of the national government. When you say things like nationalism, you're saying things that progressives said at the turn of the last century. I've told you before, Theodore Roosevelt gave this big speech that was hugely popular back then called the New Nationalism. And you're also sounding like neocons. Well, what do you mean by that, Mark? I actually went back to the beginning of Liberty and Tyranny because I I had recollected writing this. And here's what I wrote. Columnists William Crystal and David Brooks, Brooks now, of course, with uh, the New York Times and Crystal with himself, promote something called national greatness conservatism. National greatness conservatism. That's what they said. They co-authored an opinion piece in which they exclaimed that it does not despise government. How could it? This is them. How can Americans love their nation if they hate its government? But the way to restore faith in our government is to slash its flabbiness, 
while making it more effective, unquote. So Bill Crystal, a never-Trumper dead-ender, and David Brooks, whatever he is, they first coined the phrase national greatness conservatism. And I rejected it. I said the conservative does not despise government. He despises tyranny. This is precisely why the conservative reveres the Constitution and insists on adherence to it. An effective government that, op- that operates outside its constitutional limits is a dangerous government. So, we constitutional conservatives are not nationalists. We don't, we don't embrace nationalism. We embrace Americanism. That is, our founding principles, as stated best and concisely in the Declaration, and our Constitution. That's why I call us constitutional conservatives. And my book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, lays it all out. I'm not hawking the book. By the way, I have something to mention next hour. I hope you'll stay with me, particularly at the top of the hour, involving the New York Times. Yes, the Holocaust-denying New York Times. I think you're going to want to hear it. We've got a hell of a lot more to cover, too. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'm going to tell you how difficult it is if you're a conservative writer, a conservative author, a, 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 a book writer, or author, how difficult it is to succeed because they don't mostly succeed. Now, I just want you to listen to this. Just stick with me a little while. My father writes and illustrates a book about our police. There's nothing controversial in this book. It's not a propaganda piece. It's just a beautifully illustrated and written book for children. 
that is supportive of police. And it talks about what police do and their different responsibilities. Police on in helicopters, police on boats, police on motorcycles, police on horseback, the different things they do and so forth. No politics in this whatsoever. None. So the first attack on this book is that there's not enough minorities in it. I go, what? There's a minority on the cover. A woman who could be Hispanic or African American or Middle Eastern for that matter. Who, who thinks of this? And of course there are. But apparently not enough for the left. Then number two, Barnes & Noble informs the publisher that there are 500 copies in their books. They've since increased it to 2,000. But that's because I said, all right, I'm never doing another book signing at Barnes & Noble. Oh, Mr. Levin, oh, Mr. Levin. So I really had to do that? Seriously, folks? And now here's the icing on the cake. Our police sold thousands of copies. So I said to the publisher, because my father's not here to defend himself, my father's not here to inquire, so I'm doing it. And I said to the publisher, well then, where is it on the New York Times list? Well, it's not on the New York Times list. I said, what? How many children's books sold more? None, or at least not many. Well, why isn't it on the New York Times list? Because most of the sales were... On Amazon. Well, most of the sales were on Amazon because Barnes & Noble only took 500 books. And I said, you know why this book is being treated the way it's being treated, ladies and gentlemen? Because of the title. Our Police. I'm glad my dad doesn't have to see this because I know it would upset him. It upsets me, quite frankly. The difference is I'm big enough and have a big enough audience and write about issues that are that are compelling. So I, I can I can overcome these things. But this is a children's book. And the vast majority of you are not children. This is how the system works. This is how the system tries to smother anybody who has a different point of view. If this had been a book called rather than our police the police and if it was loaded with nuanced insinuations about the police and so forth and so on it would be called groundbreaking it would get all kinds of attention it would be on sunday morning on cbs it would be all over the place but it's not that and it never would be that because that's not the way the author my father thought I'm just glad he's not around to see this. I wish he were around, but I'm glad he's not seeing this. And I would encourage you, I want to thank Amazon. I know we criticize it. They take a lot of criticism, but I want to thank them because they haven't flinched for taking the book and selling the book. And if you're interested in getting your copy for Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or Christmas or any occasion or no occasion, now would be the time to acquire a copy just go to Amazon.com and type in our, O-U-R, police. And it'll pop up. And look at the comments there. I looked at the comments the other night. There were 35 stars and then the usual three in there taking their shots. But that's all right. They have to live with themselves. 
But people who actually purchased it really liked it and have enjoyed the, uh, the bright uh, drawings and illustrations that are in there and so forth. So uh, for those of you who are interested, uh, I would encourage you to go ahead and get it. <clears throat> it won't be in many bookstores, apparently, but it will be on Amazon. I've talked about this before, pseudo-events. And we got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about um, CNN thinking of suing the White House. I can't wait to get into that one. Whitaker, somehow, uh, he threatens the Constitution, which is nonsense. The absolute clown show this weekend of these will-be chairmen and chairwomen of these committees. What a bunch of radical throwback flamethrowers. And I hope they do most of what they say they're going to do. Because it'll turn off a whole lot of people. And it'll anger you. I mean, they think the Kavanaugh hearings angered you? Just imagine all these other hearings in the media, how that's going to anger you for the presidential election. You watch. These are not smart people. They walk in the doors all the time. Politically and otherwise. And I definitely want to go on about what's going on with Israel. They're under attack by Hamas. That would be the Palestinians out of Gaza, which are shooting missiles. So far, over 300 missiles aimed at their towns and cities. These missiles have further distance capabilities and are far more accurate. And I can't wait to see how the American media covers this, too. And we'll get there in a minute. But we talked about, you and I, this book, I do a hell of a lot of reading, as you, as you know, called The Image by Daniel J. Bornston. He's dead, but he was the uh, director of the Library of Congress for a period of time. Bornston, B-O-O-R-S-T-I-N, the book is The Image, The Guide to Pseudo-Events in America. And I want you to think about this. The more you see and hear Jim Acosta and Don Lemon and Fake Tapper, the more you see the conga line of phony anchors and contributors on CNN and MSNBC, I want you to think about this. But think about Acosta at that presidential press conference. And Borston wrote, a pseudo-event is a happening that possesses the following characteristics. Let's see if this matches up. In other words, you're creating an event. You're creating news. It's not actual news. And that's what Acosta did. Number one, it is not spontaneous but comes about because someone has planned, planted, or incited it. It is not a train wreck or an earthquake, but an interview. All right, meets that number one element out of four. Two, it is planted primarily, not always exclusively, for the immediate purpose of being reported or reproduced. Therefore, its occurrence is arranged for the convenience of the reporting or reproducing media. What a better place for Acosta to do what he's doing, than in front of the media, in front of the president, in front of the cameras, and in front of the scribes. So it clearly meets element number two for a pseudo-event. Number three, its relation to the underlying reality of the situation is ambiguous. Its interest arises largely from this very ambiguity. Concerning a pseudo-event, the question, what does it mean, has a new dimension. While the news interest in a train wreck is in what happened and in the real consequences, the interest in an interview is always, in a sense, in whether it really happened and in what might have been the motives. You see? Mr. President, why did you keep calling that an invasion? It's not an invasion, sir. 
There's nothing. Are you trying to divide the country? Do you think that has race consequences? It's a caravan, sir. It's a caravan. So clearly what Acosta did met the third element of a pseudo event. Number four. Usually it is intended to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. The hotel's 30th anniversary celebration, say, by saying that the hotel is a distinguished institution, actually makes it a distinguished institution. Okay. A self-fulfilling prophecy. This man's not acting presidential. Well, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy based on your own conduct in front of the man and how you attacked the president and the way you attacked the president wouldn't give up the microphone, which didn't even belong to you. So in this case, clearly, and in many others, and this book, I'm trying to get the copyright date on here, it was written in 1961 and put out by the University of Chicago Press, a serious publisher, university publisher. Daniel Borston, a very serious and intelligent man. The book is The Image. Perfectly describes Acosta and perfectly describes much of the media today. He said in the last half century, a larger and larger proportion of our experience of what we read and see and hear has come to consist of pseudo-events. We expect more of them, and we are given more of them. They flood our consciousness. Their multiplication has gone on in the United States at a faster rate than anywhere else. Even the rate of increase is increasing every day. This is true of the world of education, of consumption, and of personal relations. It is especially true of the world of public affairs. Got it? Much of the media today, and he's right, is about pseudo-events. They write about pseudo-events. That Trump is a Hitler. That Trump is a racist. There's white supremacy going on. Yeah, yeah, there's a this going on, that going on. Pseudo-events. They're lies. They're not true. And they meet those four elements. Stephen Colbert meets those four elements. Many of them do. Very, very important. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pseudo-events. Acosta was a pseudo-event. He created a news story. Because in and of itself, it's not news. I hear my friend Andrew Napolitano constantly saying that there is a very strong argument that the appointment of Matt Whitaker as the acting attorney general is unconstitutional. He's dead wrong. He keeps misreading the statute. But I don't say that to try and embarrass him or humiliate him. But when he says those things, especially in Fox, it's used by the left. And that same idea pushes out there, as you can see from Chuck Schumer on CNN yesterday. Cut one, go. The appointment of Mr. Whitaker should concern every American, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, who believes in rule of law and justice. He's already prejudged the Mueller uh, situation. Uh, if um, If he stays there... Um, he will create a constitutional crisis by inhibiting Mueller or firing Mueller, even um, uh, so Congress has to act. Well, let's stop. So you can hear his incoherence. He's trying to figure out the case to make. Ladies and gentlemen, the attorney general was forced out 
and replaced with another person. Legally and constitutionally under the Vacancies Act. It's not a big deal. There's no constitutional crisis. None. But again, I want the justices of the Supreme Court who listen to this program to hear how Mr. Mueller's talked about and treated by the left and by the media. They do not view him as some minor apparatchik in some federal department, as some inferior employee. So important is his role, according to them, so significant, so powerfully, so powerful, that he needs to be protected. The president cannot fire him, and he can't even appoint an acting attorney general to whom he'll report. So he's not some inferior employee. Again, my friend Andrew Napolitano was pointing to the 1988 decision in Marson versus Olson to dismiss the appointments clause. Now he embraces the appointments clause, but he's got it backwards, and so do the leftists. The appointments clause is relevant for Mueller because he's clearly a principal officer. He's not some minor inferior officer like an assistant U.S. attorney. Just listen to what they're saying. But in the case of the acting attorney general, he's filling a temporary position. You don't nominate people to the Senate for temporary positions. Can you name one? No, they can't name one because it's not done. And so now this is a constitutional crisis. It creates a constitutional crisis. No, it doesn't. And they're very upset, you see, because Mr. Whitaker has voiced opinions, especially in one op-ed and an appearance on CNN, and they weren't necessarily his own. He was making alternative arguments that somebody could, could make, he said, that therefore he's disqualified because we need somebody like Eric Holder, you see, or somebody like Loretta Lynch. Now, I don't know how much more Republicans and serious people in the media, of which there are fewer and fewer, are going to take of, of lectures about ethics and objectivity from Chuck Schumer, who's the snakiest, sleaziest snake in the grass. Then there's Nancy Stretch Pelosi. Face the nation yesterday, and they never face tough questions, ever. Listen to Margaret Brennan, by the way. Listen to her question. She's supposed to be a reporter. Cut three, go. Do you think under Whitaker that the integrity of this investigation is in peril? Now, what kind of question is that? Again, they ask a question, then go up with their voice and put a question mark after it. So that's a question, right? No, it's not a question. It's a statement. It's a softball. Go ahead. I do. Uh, first of all, I think that he should recuse himself for any review of the investigation because of statements he has made already in the public domain. About- uh, let me let me. You, he's not a judge, ladies and gentlemen. He's a political appointee. If he'd been a judge, maybe he should recuse himself. You know, much like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who makes all these political comments, including during an election. They never ask her to recuse herself from anything, do they? But she should. That's not a political appointment. That's a lifetime appointment to to the Supreme Court of the United States where you are compelled to be objective, but they're not, many of them. And here we have a guy. He's not a judge. He's not a juror. He's appointed acting attorney general of the United States. That is a political position. That's not to say he would be reckless. That's not to say he he would interfere, but that's by nature a political position. Again, ask Eric Holder and ask Loretta Lynch. Go ahead. 
the fact that this investigation should not... You don't have confidence in him as America's no, top I enforcement don't. officer. No, I don't, and I don't test Boy, these are really tough questions over there at uh, Deface the Nation. Very, very tough questions. Go ahead. Bipartisan uh, editorializing about it. No, there's it. not. There's not a lot of bipartisan editorializing about it. But why would you care anyway, Pelosi? You don't care about And by the way, for now on, her name isn't Nancy Pelosi. It's Nasty Stretch Pelosi. And nasty for Nancy and Stretch because of all of her obvious facelifts. Oh, may I say that? Yes, I may. Go ahead. That he should never have been appointed and that, uh, it, it, that it's... Okay, it's, there she is. Constitutional expert and stuttering buffoon. But she goes on. The report that is written by Mueller that goes to the deputy attorney general or the acting attorney general, excuse me? Okay. Um, That goes to them is supposed to be confidential. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, a report of this sort by a prosecutor is always confidential. Well, Pelosi doesn't think it should be. And when we come back, you'll want to hear what she has to say. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Mark LEVIN, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Every time you go online or use public Wi-Fi, well, you're putting your personal information in danger. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords or credit card information in seconds. Now, these hacks happen millions of times a day, and the victims have their personal information exposed or identity stolen. So how can you protect yourself? The software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all of your data online. That means nobody, nobody can see what you do on the Internet. Not even government spy agencies like the NSA. The ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. Then you click a button and poof, you are protected. So, if you want to protect yourself, you want to protect your privacy from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark to get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. Now, Pelosi. 
Let's see. Uh, what are you going to do about this Mueller report, Nancy, a.k.a. Nasty? Cut four. Go. There are questions about what will happen when Bob Mueller wraps up his investigation, the report and the conclusions he comes to, and whether they will ever see uh, the light of day, because we don't know if they're going to be shared with Congress. In a Democrat-controlled House with subpoena power, would you force that? Well, we Listen to we- these questions. Incredible. They are signaling media types what they want the Democrats to do. Go ahead. The, the, what he will decide and what will be made public. But we do want the truth. The public has a right to know. The public has a right to know. Oh, yeah, why don't you lead her a little bit? The public does not have a right to know when there's a criminal investigation and certain individuals have not been charged and you write it up in a report and issue it. Can anybody tell me of any United States attorney who does that? Hello, Supreme Court members, pay attention. This guy's not an inferior employee's principal officer. Here again, we expect him to write a report. We expect to be public. That's not normal. That's not even acceptable in a normal prosecution. And he's not supposed to do it here. Go ahead. And uh, no one is above the law in terms of our having What do you mean nobody's above the law? What are you talking about? The law says no. You're the one acting above the law with your ping pong eyes. Go ahead. So you don't think it would require a subpoena to the well, DOJ to release let us it? hope not. But it, the Congress, uh, uh, we, the beauty of our Constitution is the... Oh, decision. you idiot. You don't know a damn thing about that. Do you know how much... I would pay a fortune to her favorite charity just to get her on this program for 30 minutes. No, but she'll only do shows like Deface the Nation or, or what? Meet the Depressed... Or this week with the little dummy. You know, that's all they'll do. They won't come on this show. Then we have Jerry Nadler. On ABC's This Week. He would have been a great prosecutor uh, in the Soviet Union. Another leading question from Stephanopoulos. The Democrat Clintonoid. Cut five, go. President just announced that Matt Whitaker will be the acting attorney general. Do you believe that appointment was legal? Wow, what a question, Georgie. Do you believe that appointment was legal? Gee. Now, keep in mind, they pick the guests they want. They determine the questions they're going to ask. So this is basically a ballet. In this case, I don't know who the ballerina is, but this is basically a ballet act here. That's what it is. And uh, these are the fan dancers running across the front of the stage. So uh, let me ask you something, Nadler. The president just announced that Matt Whitaker will be acting attorney. Do you believe the appointment was legal? Now, Schumer says it's a constitutional crisis. Pelosi, what do you think Nadler's going to say? Go ahead. I think it is legal because uh, there's no advice and consent. I don't there think the attorney go. general uh, can can... Uh, it can be appointed without advice. An acting consent. temporary attorney general absolutely can be, certainly under these circumstances. He meets all the requirements of the Vacancies Act, despite what you're hearing on TV. Why would you appoint a temporary person and need advice and consent from the Senate? Meanwhile, there's Mueller flopping around like a flounder on the beach. And uh, they have no concern that he would, didn't get... Uh, to the Senate for advice and consent, because he wouldn't make it. Go ahead. Yeah, 
of, 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 of the Senate without the consent of the Senate. But I, I'll go further. The, the, his appointment is simply part of an attack on the investigation by Robert Mueller, the special counsel. Now, it, now they've been saying about Florida, there's no proof, there's no evidence of fraud. Tell me, what is your evidence of that, sir? There is none. None whatsoever. None. So drop that guy. We're done with him. But there's none. And uh, what they'll try and do is destroy this guy. All the talk about him destroying Mueller, it is they who will try and destroy him. Now, as we swing back to our press, who was asking these tremendous questions, weren't they? Is it legal? Do you agree with that? Will you subpoena them? Wow. Did you enjoy lunch? That press. They're very angry with the president at CNN, the constipated news network. Very angry. And uh, they claim that they have a First Amendment free press right to have their man Acosta in that press room. Did you see what I posted over the weekend? Short and sweet. Well, why haven't they brought suit yet, CNN? They may well and hope they get an Obama judge because that changes everything. But let me tell you what their problem is. It's multifold. The government, that is the President of the United States and the, the Trump administration, is not preventing Acosta from reporting in any respect. He can report on anything he wants. They're preventing him from coming into the press room and asking a question. The vast majority of reporters in the press room are not asked to provide a question. They're not called on. Mr. Acosta has no constitutional right to be called on whatsoever. Moreover, he needs to be in that room. He can watch it on TV like the rest of us. So he loses absolutely nothing. He has the right to report. He has the right to report on what takes place in that press room. But he doesn't have a constitutional right to be called on to ask a question. He does not have a constitutional right to be called on to ask the question. What about all the others? And moreover, the others he's interrupting. That's number one. So he does not have a constitutional right to be in that press room or a constitutional right to ask a question. The president calls on the various reporters. Number two, when it comes to the Constitution, there are two other CNN reporters in the room. So it's not as if CNN isn't represented in the room. Now, I would argue... They don't have to be. But the fact is they are. There's two other CNN reporters in the room. So CNN is not affected by this in any significant way. Number three, you do not have a constitutional right to disrupt the press conference. If you want to be a rabble rouser, then chain yourself to the White House fence and be a rabble rouser and have some guts and get arrested over it. But of course, Acosta has no guts. Number four, rather than promoting free speech and freedom of the press, Mr. Acosta, because of his tactics, are, he, he and his tactics are undermining free speech and freedom of the press. He's getting between us and the president so that people are not learning about events. He's having a debate over whether it's an invasion or a caravan. And he's asking questions that are obviously Intended to create what we talked about the first hour, pseudo-events.
He's creating pseudo-events. He's the news. He does not have the constitutional right to be the news or to create pseudo-events. So it's a very weak case. Very weak case. But that didn't stop, uh, you know, people talking about how he is destroying the First Amendment and freedom of the speech. Now, when I was on Hannity a week or two ago, I explained this. I'll do it very briefly. Uh, so uh, fake tapper can even comprehend it. And uh, Allison Camarada and Don Lemon, all together, they're in the negative IQ category, even in the ac- accurate. This president, unlike John Adams, has not sought to imprison any journalists. That would be shocking. This president, unlike Abraham Lincoln, has not sought to imprison any journalists. Both of them did. This president, unlike Woodrow Wilson, is not out to imprison any journalists. Woodrow Wilson did. This president, unlike Franklin Delano Roosevelt, hasn't created a, uh, uh, an intelligence operation that is intended to keep track of the media so that he can then put political pressure on various elements in the media. All he gets is a printout, I assume, once, twice, three times a, a day of, uh, of news clips and news reports. Moreover, this president, unlike FDR, did not use one of his Democrat hacks, sort of a modern-day Nadler, running a Senate committee that subpoenaed a thousand subpoenas to news organizations, to Western Union, other telegraph organizations, for the purpose of punishing publishers and broadcasters, not so much reporters, but publishers and broadcasting companies that didn't go along with his agenda, the New Deal. Did you know this? Oh, it's true. It's true. All he did is say, you know what, Acosta? You're disrupting the press conference. You've done it enough. You don't get four questions. The microphone doesn't belong to you. You don't get the slap at, a, uh, at an intern. That's what he did. He kind of pushed her, slapped her, whatever you want to call it, on the arm. Uh, you don't get to disrupt my presidential press conference. You have no constitutional right to do that. So I, I, uh, I jerked your press pass. So this president, when it comes to the media, and the media that have the hate for him, has actually responded in a very civil way. He fights them by challenging them openly, whereas they have barrels and barrels of ink and balloons full of hot air on TV. He uses Twitter. He uses Twitter. Big deal. And, of course, unlike Barack Obama, he didn't sick the FBI on 20 Associated Press reporters or a reporter for Fox and his parents or an investigative reporter for the New York Times or any of the sort. Barack Obama unleashed more investigations involving the media than all his predecessors combined. Than all his predecessors combined. I'll be right back. I hope you enjoyed Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox last night. It was a really great program. Let's go to Roger Wilkes, Barra, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Go. How's it going? I just felt like I needed to give you a call. 
Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Always love listening to you. I don't always agree with everything, but I think that it was important to point out that you've had a lot of conversations about individuals. Sir, do you have a question? Go ahead and ask. So yeah, far, you know, this like, is a little uh, monotonous. Between a, yeah, when Acosta is right to just being in the room compared to individuals that don't get the ability to be on social media after they cause a ruckus, spread fake news. or, or what, 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 Social media is social media. Anybody can get on social media. Uh, what the companies do on social media is a completely separate issue here. What right. does that have Those to do with Acosta? Hello, what does that have to do with Acosta? Well, you're looking at an individual who has the experience to construct a specific... Oh, really? Viewpoint. Was there a presidential a press conference on social media that I missed? Well, there was uh, Senate hearings and House hearings. Sir, sir, let's try and stay focused. I know it's tough. Presidential press conference. The president's White House gives out press passes. Some press get, some press don't. Local press don't, weekly press don't, most state press don't, many national press don't. There's not enough room for them. CNN has three seats. Now, that said, let's say they had one seat. The issue isn't whether or not Acosta has a right. He has no right. The issue is whether or not the government is interfering with freedom of the press. So how is the government interfering with freedom of the press? Well, specifically, we allow individuals like InfoWars a press pass. Get off the air, you idiot. You don't even pay attention to anything. InfoWars and social media have to do with any of this. Nothing. Zero. So the guy's an agenda, calls the program, makes an ass out of himself. I was expecting somebody was going to defend you. Jim Acosta has every right to be on. Uh, no, he doesn't. He has every right to ask tough questions if he's there. He does. But he has no right to be there per se, and he certainly has no right to disrupt a presidential press conference. That's not freedom of the press. And think of yourself as a Supreme Court justice. This case comes to you. If you rule that Jim Acosta has a constitutional right to be in that press room, then every single reporter who's not in that press room, every single outlet that's not in that press room presumably has the same right. And imagine the conduct that will take place in these press conferences. So a president won't hold press conferences anymore. The Supreme Court cannot compel, affirmatively compel a president to hold a press conference. So this is all counterintuitive. It undermines the First Amendment and freedom of the press. When you have a rabble-rouser, a provocateur, even a saboteur, if you will, who's sent into the press conference by CNN suits, by Jeff Zucker, for the purpose of disrupting the press conference, for the purpose of creating a pseudo-event, <clears throat> well, you don't have the constitutional right to do that. CNN is a corporation. It is owned by Time Warner. That corporation has a right to own a, uh, a news outlet, but it doesn't have a right through that news outlet to disrupt a presidential press conference. It all, I, I, I'm often amazed at how little accountability there is in these corporations, like Time Warner, the Time Warner Board of Directors, the CEO of Time Warner, the CFO, the COO of Time Warner. They must know what's going on. They must like what's going on. It's like Comcast. They must know what MSNBC is doing. They must know what a fool Andrea Mitchell is, what a fraud she is, and so many others. 
over there at MSNBC. They know, but they must like it. So when people say corporations are in the back pocket of Republicans, I don't see that in the least. Here's Floyd Abrams, a First Amendment lawyer. He is the father of Dan Abrams. Cut 12, go. Does CNN have grounds to sue over this? I think it's a really strong lawsuit. You would. uh, There was a case uh, in Washington uh, of Robert Sherrill back in the late 1970s where his pass was revoked. He went to court and the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia said before that happens, you have to first have notice, you have to have a chance to respond, Mm. and you have to have a written opinion by the White House as to what it's doing and why. Well, that's so the, a, I don't know anything about that decision, but it's irrelevant. He's dragging in a court of appeals decision. Notice he doesn't drag in a Supreme Court decision. I think the White House would be in very, very strong position. As a matter of fact, I would encourage Landmark Legal Foundation, where I am chairman, to file an amicus or friend of court brief as well. I want to protect freedom of the press, the right of the people to know, and these pseudo-events by these... Uh, Uh, These mental midgets have got to end. I'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Love Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You notice how predictable all these Sunday shows are? You notice how predictable all the news is? I mean, other than Fox, well, you really do get kind of a 50-50. You really do, and that's according to Harvard. 52% negative on Trump, 48% positive. Yeah, even that. But the rest of the networks are so predictable. So predictable on their Sunday shows and on their news shows. They all say the same thing. And they bring in the same kinds of guests. And you really cannot tell the news from opinion. Because they're all liberal. One of the people who used to be fairly good but has obviously uh, really fallen in terms of intellectual integrity and honesty, would be S.E. Cup. S.E. Cup. And she's on CNN, as you might expect, and she's there on Saturday. She used to have a show, I think, on their sister station, but it didn't cut it. Cut, but listen to this. Cut 13, go. In a matter of one week, the president has attacked the rule of law and the Constitution on no less than three fronts. The independence of the Department of Justice, the First Amendment and freedom of the free press, and the 14th Amendment. All right, let's now- stop. Essie, you really are truly pathetic. The Justice Department is not independent. Do you see it in the Constitution? It's a cabinet office. The Justice Department's not independent. The president nominates the attorney general, the deputy attorney general, the associate attorney general, all the assistant attorneys general. He nominates all the U.S. attorneys. Now, while the president isn't getting involved in criminal investigations and things of that sort, the idea that this is some independent department is nonsense. This is a republic. It's still a republic to some extent. Number two, he didn't attack the First Amendment. 
He told a prima donna and a narcissist that he's not coming back until he fixes his ways. Just because that's a colleague of yours and you all circle the wagon around a circus clown, that just makes you guys clowns too. So he didn't attack the First Amendment. Number three, the 14th Amendment. Many of us have been writing about and talking about so-called birthright citizenship. So, S.E. Cup, if you can tell us where birthright citizenship actually comes from, which Congress passed a statute to interpret the 14th Amendment that way, which president signed it into law to interpret the 14th Amendment that way, or which Supreme Court ruled that, then why don't you report it on your so-called program? The answer is there is no such ruling and there was no such decision by any elected officials. So you're three strikes and you're out. But of course, you'll probably get a bonus. Go ahead. Say, but S.E., you didn't care when Obama threatened the press. Oh, yeah, I did. Plenty of us were critical of the 44th president for seizing phone and email records of reporters from the AP and the New York Times. Wow, seizing records from reporters. Has Trump seized records? But I was critical of it. Seizing records from reporters. So what records has Trump seized from reporters? Go ahead. And of course, other presidents before Trump were guilty of constitutional overreach. In 1937, FDR infamously attempted to pack the courts with friendly judges. There was the Box 13 scandal of 1948 when LBJ was accused of stuffing 202 additional ballots into a box. Who brought up any of this? Now she's talking to herself. They do a lot of that over at CNN, the Constipated News Network. Who did any of this? Go ahead. Lesley swung the Texas Senate election in his favor at the last minute. Oh, I brought that up. I think that's important to know, don't you? Because everything's compared to Trump. Well, let's do it. Go ahead. First, there was Nixon's Saturday Night Massacre in 1973, where he fired both his attorney general and deputy attorney general when they refused to fire Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor charged with investigating the Watergate scandal. Where is she going with all this? It's so fascinating. Not. Go ahead. Well, history is replete with greedy and craven presidents who tried to expand executive power and undermine the Constitution. Here's, here's where and you can tell by her affectation. Here's where she's very dismissive. Don't give me the whataboutism. No, it's called context. Don't give it to me. Don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about FDR and internment camps. No, no, no. We accused Trump of that. I don't want to hear about uh, these presidents who violated the First Amendment and freedom of the press. No, 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 no. We want to blame Trump for that. Go ahead. None has attacked the rule of law and the Constitution on so many fronts at the same time. You know what? You are a blithering buffoon. You really are a blithering buffoon. It's sad to see what was once a, a really a potential star turn into, uh, what, just another doofus. Go ahead. And we haven't even gotten to the latest allegations 
of campaign finance Ooh, well, let's violations. get to them. Campaign finance violations. Yes, yes, non-disclosure agreements that were signed, uh, 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 yes, before the campaign even began. That's got to be a campaign violation because somebody leaked it out of the prosecutor's office in New York, and, and the genius lawyer, Michael Cohen, pled guilty on two counts of felonies related to that with his great lawyer, Lanny Davis. So, so it's got to be right. It's got to be true. Uh, name one case in which there was ever a conviction of such a sort. There isn't any. There isn't any. This is what I mean. Is she reporting? Is she giving her opinion? What the hell is she? What the hell are all of them, for that matter? I mean, I don't come on here and pretend that I'm a news anchor or news host. Who are these people? Brian Stelter. Little fat boy. What is he? I just cover the news. Fake Tapper, who's got a political background, all Democrat, all left wing. I'm just calling out lies. And I see lies, I call them out. I'm lies, lies. I'm the truth teller. The golden age of the journalism. Plus, I want to be on Colbert's show more. Me and the gang, Acosta, you know, Don Lemon. Yeah, we want to be on the Colbert show because he's really funny and he's with us. So this is S.E. Cup. I have no idea what SE stands for, nor do I care. Uh, let's see here. All right. Let's take a call, shall we? Wayne, North Wales, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Good, Mr. Levin. How are you? Very well, thank you. I just want to let you know that uh, earlier you were speaking about your father's book, and I listened very carefully because I have uh, a grandchild on the way, and uh, my other son has two. So at that point, I immediately went upstairs and went on to Amazon, and I ordered a dozen of those books. Whoa. Uh, Thank you. Well, I'm not done yet. And then I started to think, because I just retired from working at the school district next to where you went, at Springfield. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute. You work for the Springfield Township School District? Yes, sir. Well, you know, before I was in the Cheltenham Township School District, I was in that school district. I lived on a a street called Bent Lane. And my parents had their uh, their nursery school, and we'll be right back with you, America, and their little uh, day camp on what was then Paper Mill Road. Yep. Yeah, I ran right the right tra- near the high school. Yeah, I ran the transportation department for 36 years. Wow. Wonderful. So, so after ordering my first dozen books, I decided that because this is Veterans Day, my father passed eight years ago on Veterans Day. Oh, boy. Uh, and in memory of your father, I, I purchased another dozen books, of which I will be taking some down to the Cheltenham School District to donate to them in your father's house. Oh, man, you're great. And then I'm going to take some to Springfield. Hold on, don't go broke now. Uh, uh, I worked in a public school system, and I'm on their pension program, Mark. I am not going to go broke, trust me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're a very honest guy. I like you. <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll donate them in your father's name. So I will, and I will see my superintendent, Dr. Hacker at Springfield, and I will give them to her to donate them to Springfield. And because I also did simultaneously Springfield and Upper Dublin the last seven years I was in the district, I will be taking them up to the Upper Dublin and donating them to that district as well. Well, let me say this: you are a very, very kind man. I hope when my next book comes out, and I'm, I may well come to Philadelphia with our buddies at WPHT. We'll see. Um, I hope you'll come out and I and I get to meet you, Wayne, and you'll remind me who you are. Okay? Yep. Well, you come up. I, I happen to work at a Chinese restaurant in Chestnut Hill, so you have my number. You give me a call, and I'll be more than happy to take you to dinner. 
All right, man. Thank you. Chestnut Hill, man, oh, man. Yep, and I love Chinese food, too. Isn't that something? Uh, let's go to Keith, Boulder, Colorado, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Mr. Levin, thank you so much for educating us out here in the real world. Colorado, baby. Much. Yeah. Uh, Although you're in out- Boulder, that's a tough neighborhood. Well, I'm working here. I'll be back to Virginia here pretty soon. But uh, listen, I, I, I did see the interview with uh, or the press conference with Acosta. Sickening. Uh, you know, I, I was in the Marine Corps. I worked on Marine, Co- uh, Marine One during uh, Clinton. I didn't vote for him, but you respect the office. And I'm not seeing that a lot today. Um, you know, President Trump is in there, and he gets opposition from every front. And it just makes me sick to see uh, Acosta behave like he did. And people think that that's acceptable. I mean, just completely disrespectful to our president. He's not a newsman. He, you know, he's a he's a he's an actor. And if you want to be an actor, then you'll be an actor. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it should be allowed in. I, I I don't I don't want to see that. I want to hear the press. I want to see what the president has to say. And uh, I, I just wish more people would stand up to that. Um, I'm with you. And by the way, thank you for your service on this Veterans Day. And we thank everybody. And we appreciate our veterans every day on this program. And I say so at the end of virtually every program. Keith, thank you, buddy. And you're exactly right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So that, that's a little bit over the top. I think you'd agree. And yet that candidate won. One of the reasons the governor, uh, Ducey, who was running for re-election, got 300,000 more votes than McSally, and it, did, it wasn't a nail-biter, is because he was able to retain and attract the conservative vote. It was a very nasty primary in Arizona, um, and uh, McSally never reached out to the conservatives in any significant or uh, serious way. And that's in part what happened. And it's up to the candidate to unite the party. It's up to the candidate to bring the base out. And she failed to do that. And Mr. Bedusa will tell you that we invited her on this program uh, a week or two weeks before the election, and she didn't come on. Uh, Mr. Heller, who ran in Nevada for re-election, we invited him to come on the program. His campaign didn't even respond. Is that right, Rich? And we invited uh, Adam Laxalt to come on to the show. He lost his governor's race. Uh, They said he never got the message, and that was like on a Thursday or Friday. We said, well, come on on Monday. And they ignored us, and he lost. I'm not saying that's why they lost, but that just goes to show you. I can tell you Brian Mast, who I like, who is my congressman where our Florida home is, and who I've supported strongly, and I encourage people to vote for him even now. He wouldn't come on the program. His people said we're trying to uh, attract moderates. Okay? When you run away from basic principles, uh, it's a problem. When you buy the left's characterization of your base as being right-wing, we're not right-wing. We're constitutionalists. We believe in liberty. We believe in 
private property rights. We have faith. We believe in family. When you do things like that, you hurt yourself. You do. Now and in the future. So it doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm here. I'm going to be here. But it bothers me that now this 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 woman who got elected in Arizona will be part of the the Schumer team, and she's part of the left wing hack crowd. And it's amazing that somebody like that can get elected. That just shows you how weak McSally was. Now they keep talking about Trump, Trump this, Trump that, Trump this. Well, McSally blew that race. In addition to this other stuff that was going on, which contributed to it, which I said. Do you ever notice the state of the liberal media and wonder how it got where it is today? You know, we used to have journalists who searched for the truth, the objective truth, who brought you the news stories that mattered. They didn't interpret it. Uh, they didn't give it their, uh, their spin. But it doesn't happen much anymore today, does it? Now, most people recognize when President Trump does something well, and they'll point out when they disagree with him. That's the way the system's supposed to work. So why is it that virtually every story on these so-called news outlets is negative, even worse, vile? On Levin TV, we're not here to carry water for anyone, good or bad. We're bringing you principled arguments. We're bringing you real perspectives. And we don't pretend to be a quote-unquote news outlet, and we're honest about who we are. But we do analyze the news, and we do analyze the people who bring you the news. This is why we've gotten amazing feedback from our subscribers who say that CRTV is unlike anything they ever got with the liberal outlets on cable. And ladies and gentlemen, even though I'm not permitted to give you the information, we have an enormous subscriber base. And if any of you listening to me hasn't joined us yet, I got a special deal for you. Try us out free for the first 30 days. Try us out free for the first 30 days. If you like it, then sign up. If you don't like it, then that's okay. But I know you're going to love it. You've got Levin TV and 20 other hosts, and they're great. Steve Crowder, Eric Bowling, Andrew Wilkow, Phil Robertson, and a whole bunch of others. Just go to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com. That's simple. Or here's a toll-free number if you're stuck in traffic, 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. Take advantage of the free 30-day offer. We need your help to keep growing CRTV. And if CRTV is going to continue to grow at the pace we've seen over the last year, we need you. Others are trying to compete with us, but we are us. We're the original. We have hosts you won't see on TV all the time because they are committed to CRTV. So join us. Go to Levin TV. That's L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com or call 844 844- Levin TV, that's 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. And by the way, it's a great gift. If you're thinking of a Hanukkah gift, a Christmas gift, even something to bring on Thanksgiving, say, look what I just did for you. Gift it. 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll be right back. The Palestinian terrorists known as Hamas and the Gaza Strip, have launched over 300 missiles into Israel, attacking its cities and towns along the way. 
The Israeli military is moving in tanks and troops. The Israeli military, as reported by the Times of Israel, deployed additional troops and tanks to the Gaza Strip following the largest barrage of rockets and mortar shells fired at Israel from the coastal enclave in a single day. This is why this two-state solution for Israel would be a final solution. The Gaza Strip was the test, ladies and gentlemen. They actually have three states now. They've got the Gaza Strip. They've got part of uh, Jordan, part of, the, uh, part of Jerusalem. Now they want another state. Why? To fire more missiles? Who the hell would create a country like this? Another state. The army was reportedly given a green light from policymakers to pummel terror groups in the Strip if they continued with the barrages, as the terror organizations in the Strip vowed to do. These so-called resistance factions joint command center is joint command center is holding a serious conversation about expanding its range of fire. Ashland is just the beginning. Approximately one million Zionists will be with this is the terrorist speaking within the range of our missiles if the Zionist enemy's decision is to continue its aggression. So Israel's attacked, you see, and it's the Jews who are aggressive. I'm waiting for CNN to jump in. Or how about those two lovely ladies who were just elected? The first women Muslims ever elected to Congress who hate the Jews in Israel. Oh, yeah. But you won't hear that reported either. According to the Israel Defense Forces, over 300 rockets and mortar shells were fired at southern Israel from the Gaza Strip as of 10 p.m. Monday, a number that was expected to rise as barrages continued throughout the night. It's nighttime there. The attacks began shortly after 4.30 p.m. when terrorists fired a Cornet anti-tank-guided missile at an Israeli bus near the border, seriously injuring an IDF soldier who was on board at the time. Dozens of other soldiers had basically just gotten off the bus. A home and an apartment building were hit in the city of Ashland in the rocket attack on the apartment building shortly after midnight Monday. Seven people injured, including a woman in her 60s. And it goes on. Strikes on buildings in Netavot and Surat caused significant damage and minor injuries to the occupants and sparked fires in the surrounding areas. In Netavot, Hadashat TV's news showed how a single piece of shrapnel from a rocket pierced the outer wall of one home, flew across the bedroom, splintering a baby bed and on and on. So Israel's under attack again by the terrorists who call themselves Hamas. And uh, Israel's moving tanks into the area as I speak, heavy armor, and more troops. We'll want to keep an eye on this. We'll want to keep an eye on this. And, of course, the American media, as they sit, you watch. You watch how they get prepared. They get prepared to attack Israel. And then they'll accuse the president. You know, Mr. President... Maybe it's your tone that caused the, uh, the man who hates you and the Jews to go into the synagogue. You watch these people. They are despicable. The last time this happened, I had just gotten off a plane from Israel. And the terrorists, Hamas, the Palestinian terrorists in the Gaza Strip, attacked Israel then. And I told you, back then it was a PR play. And our media attacked Israel. Our media attacked Israel. Our media had blood on its hands, and you watch what they do. We'll keep a close eye on this. 
but it could be the war is about to break out. We shall see. The good news for Israel is they have a wonderful prime minister. The good news for America is we have a wonderful president who won't put up with this stuff when we're attacked either. No Barack Melhouse, Hussein Obama. Well, let us continue. Andrew, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Mark, uh, how are you doing? Very well. Go right ahead, my friend. I wanted to give you a first-hand report of, as, as best I could, with the best memory I could, of being a reporter in Washington for 30 years. I was on the radio. I wrote original scripts, and I was also on the air. First, I began at the American School of Communication, graduate journalism. And that was the summer of 1977. And we were taught to be as vicious and ferocious with the liars and the Ford administration, vicious as we could, because they were all liars. I left the school because I couldn't believe it. I began freelance writing, and then I knew I had a good voice, so I started small stations, just covering small stories, until I finally, in 1984, got into the Voice of America. I thought, well, there, the Voice of America. There'll be a, a chance for objectivity. Well, the managers were objective up on high, not the editors. Once they saw my writing, I thought I tried to, to put two two different points of view in a, in a piece, make it objective and fair, and they didn't like it. First of all, they didn't like the topics I chose, partial birth abortion, you know, in, in which the horrific procedures described. They didn't like the st- stories I did like Whitewater, the scandal of Mrs. Clinton before the Clintons came into the White House. And um, they didn't like the story I did about Alger Hiss, which essentially proved that he was a communist spy. And I became known as someone who was a, a conservative and also a Christian because I did stories on, on prayer and the uh, breakdown on religion, the crackdown on religion. So what happened to countries. you? I stayed there. Yeah. And I suffered through it. Yeah. For, for 30 years. So who's attacking the free press and freedom of speech? Isn't it the uh, isn't it the current crop of so-called journalists and their editors? Yeah, that's their training. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of freedom of the press is to promote free speech among people. Is it not, sir? Of course it is. That's okay. And yet, look at you. You had a viewpoint. You tried to you tried to be a straight shooter. And uh, what they wanted really was conformity, didn't they? Yeah, and they uh, they hassled me like crazy. They made my life difficult. Can, you know, we we can think of many pro Obama and anti Trump so called uh, anchors and journalists at uh, CNN and MSNBC. Can you think of one one who would be considered even closely favorable to Trump or anti Obama? I can't think of one. No. No, they're all sheep or else they're in, they're in the back of the, the the White House press briefing room. I don't know. I uh, know I can't. All right, my friend, I appreciate your uh, your call very much. I want to tell you about X chair. 
You know, my producer, Rich, was such a fan of my X-Chair, and you can see my X-Chair. I think it's still up on Facebook. We finally decided that it was time to get him his own X-Chair, and he loves his X-Chair. Mr. Producer and I are different heights. He's short, and I'm tall. Right, Mr. Producer? I'm not that tall. I'm six feet, and you're not. That's all. Yet, and yet, you're, you're, you're thinner than I am. There's no question. Yet, how the X-Chair conforms to each of us to provide the same unbelievable level of support and comfort is really quite remarkable. Mr. Producer is physically feeling a difference, less pain, more energy. He's always been focused and productive, but even more, even more. You need to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself, and I'm quite serious about this. You know, I've talked to you about my L5 and all the rest. This is by far the best chair I've ever had. I am comfortable sitting in this chair seven hours a day. Now, if you want to see how beautiful this amazing chair is, just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, and you'll see the different models. If you own a, a business, take my advice. If you want happier, more productive employees, consider getting X chairs for your entire staff. It's a very reasonable investment. That's what it is that will pay high dividends. X chair is on sale now for $100 off. Again, a perfect gift. Go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So no risk. Go to xchairlevin.com or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. Now you go to xchairlevin.com, use code LEVINFOOTREST if you call them too. Levin footrest, and you'll get a free footrest. So again, xchairlevin.com or 844-4-X-Chair. Let us go to, who, who, who is online to there in Chicago, Illinois? Well, Guillermo, Guillermo, Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS country. How are you, sir? How are you, Mark? It's an honor, real quick, because you have other callers. Uh, You have a lot of priorities, wondering if you'll adjust uh, one so we can save the country whole forums on reversing um, what you talked about in the first hour assimilation. Yeah. And uh, because uh, you're a busy man, but now you can do it through video conferencing, whole forums, uh, discussions, debates all across the country on how to do that and call, uh, call to action, so to speak. So that was my question. I'll uh, hang up and. Uh, well, well, it's not reply. a question. You're saying that. Or a suggestion, right? Your your suggestion is that we should push assimilation through all forms of new media. Well, not only we, as you know, we have got to start with the education, uh, the uh, academia early on in uh, grade school if we have to, and along with the other, uh, also the media. And I don't forth. disagree, but we're going to need some Spanish-speaking Mark Levins out there. I think. <laughs> Well, we can find them. All right, my friend. Them, but we need you. We need you and Hannity and and Rush to uh, join in. Otherwise, we're going to lose this country very fast. And uh, by the All way, right. yes, um, I, I agree with you for the most part uh, when you opened the show. Right. Um, but uh, there was one thing that. Um, Harry, Harry, Harry. Oh, I can't think of it, but I'll uh, I'll just leave it at that. There's uh, one, one right. little other aspect besides the assimilation issue uh, on why. Uh, All right, my friend. If you think about it, give us a call tomorrow. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With 
Thanksgiving, almost two weeks away. I bet you're thinking about travel and parties and napping with a belly of turkey and pie. You know who else is looking forward to the holidays? Scammers and crooks. Every year, fraud increases around the holidays, and the thieves like to celebrate with your hard-earned money. From fake charities to package delivery scams, tis the season for identity theft, too. So don't let the holiday spirit distract you from staying safe. You'll need identity protection more than ever. So get it from the best. My ID Care has been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years. And now they're offering identity protection to everyone so you can make sure your whole family's covered. From Tribe Bureau credit monitoring to dark web scanning, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need. Plans start for less than 10 bucks a month and only My ID Care offers a money back recovery guarantee. I don't worry about identity theft anymore, and neither should you. Enjoy your holidays with peace of mind from My ID Care. My listeners also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. Learn more and then let myidcare take care of you. myidcare.com slash mark, enter promo code mark. myidcare.com slash mark, enter promo code mark. Well, we had a great life, liberty, and live in. Do we have time to play the first clip, Mr. Producer? Let's go for it. Listen to this. Go. I want to get back to this issue of these hearings where they're going to be pushing out all these subpoenas. I believe in congressional oversight strongly. Mm -hmm. The FBI, the Department of Justice, the intelligence agencies, our tax money goes into these places. Mm -hmm. These are institutions that are authorized by Congress. They're funded by Congress. You have federal employees involved (laughs) in activity. It's nothing to do with somebody's tax returns. It's nothing to do with a private enterprise that's worth billions and billions of dollars where members of Congress sit there and say, ah... I'm going to pretend I'm an IRS agent, and I'm going to dig into this stuff, and I'm going to spew it out there, and I'm going to give it to my friends at CNN and MSNBC. I'm going to sabotage this administration. I'm going to drag it down. Former federal prosecutor, the Trump administration says, we're more than happy to work with you on matters of official conduct, Mm -hmm. on matters involving the administration. Mm -hmm. However, I have a blanket rule out there. Anything involving my family and me and our personal finances, you don't get anything. Mm-hmm. What about that argument? Now, I'm asking Chip well, Roy, who, who is uh, just elected to Congress from the 21st District of Texas. He's absolutely outstanding. He'll be part of the Freedom Caucus. Go ahead. And I think, you know, I think about through this lens that when we talk about separation of powers and what our job is in Congress to oversee the executive branch, and it's critically important that that be done, that's meant for, as you pointed out before, constitutional purposes. It's meant about the power of the executive branch being used Mm -hmm. and in its official duties and what it's trying to do and whether or not it's constitutional, whether or not they're following the law. That's the job of Congress. The job of Congress isn't to go down fishing expeditions for personal assaults or going after the president's family. Uh, That's not what it's about. Uh, it's about protecting the Constitution. And frankly, you want to make Article One great again, which is something I talk about on the Congress. campaign trail, Article One Congress, then Congress needs to reassert itself in, in governance, in passing laws, in not turning over power to the bureaucracy and the executive well, branch. They need to do their job in representing the people. That's where I think that we're missing the boat. In the end, it's about freedom. There's a big difference between... That's Jim the- Jordan people for their political beliefs and going after those folks and holding them accountable, which we've tried to do. Uh, there's a big difference in the FBI doing what they did, and that's trying to hold them accountable, uh, than it is going after people's personal finances and what, what the left is now telling us they're going to try to do to the president and his family. That is, it's, it's ultimately about freedom. And I would argue today, 
And I don't mean this to sound overly dramatic, but I think freedom's under attack. You're, you are seeing it from all. Think, we had a hearing, Mark, where um, we had college professors in. I asked this one college professor at the end of the hearing. I said, uh, Professor, on a safe space or in a safe space on a college campus, Whatever that could is. I say this sentence, Donald Trump is president? His response began with, well, Congressman, it depends. I interrupted him. I said, it's a fact. There's no it depends about it. He was elected on November 8, 2016. He was sworn in January 20, 2017. He lives at 1,600. He's, he's the president of the greatest country ever. There's no it depends. But that's where the left's crazy thinking, when freedom is attacked, that's where it takes us. So th this is fundamental. This is so fundamental. We should hold agencies accountable when they come in after your personal liberties, your mm -hmm. any American's personal liberties. Mm -hmm. But when Congress is going to use their power to go after the president just because they want to dig into his business finances, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Good. And I hope the president's folks are listening, the lawyers. I hope so. Let us go to Esther, Brooklyn, New York. We don't have a lot of time. The great WABC. Go. First of all, I'm very upset about the... Um about this new congresswoman from Michigan, Tlaib, or whatever she calls herself. Uh, she's already Wait, support. She's already is that Michigan uh, or Minnesota? I get confused. Michigan, the one from Minnesota is, is another is another uh, Israel hater. From uh, she's a Somali or Ethiopian, right? Somali, Somalia. Right. So she's already expressed support for Hamas too. We had a blue wave in New York, and it's not funny. And part of a contributing factor was you and Mark Levin show listeners who voted Democrat. All right? No, no we don't. People. Not many. Not Esther, many? Esther, what are you talking about? Who, me? Yeah, you. New York, New York State. We had a blue wave, unfortunately. Right. My listeners are not of the blue wave. Some might be, 10 or 15, 20% liberals who listen in. But conservatives didn't vote for any of these leftists. Um, there were people voting Democrat because they didn't like the Republicans. Well, that okay. Well, that's possible. I have no idea what your point was, unfortunately. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, particularly today, Veterans Day, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all other law enforcement out there. Thank you. Check out Levin TV. It's excellent tonight. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>